You probably don't realize this, but right now, as you sit and listen to this, there's something living inside of you. Your stomach is leasing space to a bunch of single-celled organisms. And the microbiome is the collection of bacteria that, say, live in and on you. That's Dr. Tom Jarvie. He's studying that collection of bacteria. Prokaryotic organisms, little squirmy, funky-shaped dudes that are living in you and on you, all over you. Your skin is covered by bacteria, and all of the surfaces in your mouth are covered by bacteria. But they aren't just living rent-free. You're actually living off of them. They're doing things like... Digesting your food, training your immune system, uh, making vitamins, making neurotransmitters. They're doing all sorts of wonderful things. So they're doing us a favor. A lot of favors, actually. But until recently, we didn't know they were there. The microbiome was really kind of discovered around 10 years ago. And why would that be? Because most of these bacteria are unculturable, meaning nobody has figured out how to grow them in a lab yet. And so if nobody could grow them to identify them, they remained unseen. And those microbes are what Tom and his co-founder Mark Driscoll want to shed light on. In the microbiome, an unculturable pool of bacteria lies the possibility that our genes are not the only thing that determine who we are and how we are. Like if we're thin or fat, if we have anxiety or depression, and of course, what we can digest and what doesn't go down so well. Tom and Mark's company, Shoreline Biome, is trying to see into this collection of bacteria, how it changes with disease, and how medicine can use this bacteria to improve our overall health. I'm Ali Oshinsky, and this is Inside Yukon Tip. But for those germaphobes listening, I want you to take a deep breath and put down the hand sanitizer. You will never get all these bacteria off you, and you won't want to, because it's something you've been working at your whole life. Besides being born, this baby is up to a big task right now. Now, when you're born, you are born pretty much without a microbiome. The process of being born is, is kind of where, you know, where you get, get your first dose of, of bacteria. So, you know, you kind of get some from mom. And then when kids uh, also are crawling around in the dirt and everything, they're getting other ones. And it turns out that's a really, really, really great thing. So that baby gets its first dose. But it's going to need a lot more because... Well, a big portion of your immune system is in your gut. And so it's, over time, developed this very intimate dance between the bacteria in our gut and your immune system. So this baby is collecting bacteria for its microbiome. It's collecting dance partners for this immune system bacteria dance. And the best way to get practice fighting off disease is to fill up its dance card. Because most of the bacteria in this world are friendly, beneficial bacteria, and they're doing all sorts of good, happy things for our bodies. And when you learn something young, well, you never forget it. When you're a little kid and you get exposed to these things, 
then your body kind of says, okay, I know these, I like them, and then it builds this nice friendly relationship with them. In those early years of life, we collect a lot of bacteria. And this process of collecting our personal microbiome is an important time for our immune system. The more dance partners we try out, the better immunity we'll have later in life. To see this, we're going to sashay off the dance floor and take a trip back to Europe, 1946. From Stettin in the Baltic to Trieste in the Adriatic, an iron curtain has descended across the continent. The Iron Curtain comes down. The community along the border between Finland and the Soviet Union gets divided. And what does it do to them? It gives them the sneezes. The, here's a genetically uh, homogeneous population. One of them is on, was in the Soviet Union after World War II, and one of them was in Finland after World War II. There was a recent study of this to see what allergies were like on the Finnish side and the Soviet side. They ended up having very radically different lives. One led a, you know, a first world Western life and the other led a developing country life. And now if we look at them, what's the difference in them? There's no difference in their, in their genetics, but there is a, dist- a difference in their microbiomes because one side was kind of exposed to dirt and no antibiotics. The other side led a hygienic life with a lot of antibiotics. And what they find out is the one side has, on the fin- Finland side, has a higher incidence of diabetes, higher incidence of asthma, higher incidence of uh, allergies. A much higher incidence. The Finns, who led cleaner lives, had almost five times more sneezy, itchy, eye-rubby people than the Soviets. But why would people with more access to healthcare be less healthy? Remember our bacteria baby dance? It seems the babies on the Finnish side had limited options when it came to dance partners. The study took samples of dust on each side and found a huge difference in both the amount of microbes in the dust and the diversity of those microbes. The babies on the Soviet side collected more microbes at birth than the babies on the Finnish side. Those Finnish babies eventually grew up, and when spring came along and the pollen came out, their bodies freaked out and didn't know what to do. Their eyes and noses and lungs mounted an immune response, allergies. But last I heard, I thought allergies were genetic. Or at least that was the latest in 10th grade biology class. Chromosomes are composed mainly of a complex molecule called deoxyribonucleic acid. But it's been a while since then, and this video put me to sleep in high school as well as it does now. So I found someone who could give us a little review. George Weinstock, the director of microbial genomics at Jackson Laboratory for Genomic Medicine in Farmington, Connecticut. Dr. Weinstock gave me a refresher on how DNA works. So DNA is the genetic code. It's like the computer program that tells a cell exactly what to do. And just think of DNA as a, as a book. It, it's a book made out of an alphabet of only four letters, not 26 letters, and those four letters are arranged in a particular sequence, and that particular sequence contains all the instructions. Those are the words for, for um, what the genetic code is. These are long, long instruction manuals, but every single cell inside of you has the same exact one. And those bacteria inside of you 
Well, they have DNA too, except each one of their instruction manuals is different from the next guy. And we know all this because of a process called DNA sequencing, where you go into a cell and identify how those four letters are arranged. And you can think of this as having developed a much more powerful microscope because you're really looking inside in, into the soul of each of those bacteria and seeing what its, its uh, instruction manual is using DNA sequencing. Ever since the discovery of DNA, scientists were itching to get into these strands and sequence the human genome. Once the technology got good enough, they did exactly that. Starting in the 90s, the Human Genome Project spent $3 billion sequencing the entire human genome, all in the hopes that it could answer a lot of questions about human health. But with the discovery of the microbiome, it seems there's still a lot of unexplored territory. Back to Tom. So in the human genome, there's maybe 23,000 genes. And so those genes do everything, you know, determine our height and which foods you like, you know, all sorts of stuff. And in your gut, the, the best guess is there's over a million genes. And what are those genes doing? It turns out they're doing a whole lot of stuff. So one way you could kind of look at the microbiome, it's almost as if it is another organ that happens to be in your body. A whole organ. Okay, so the Human Genome Project didn't actually miss an organ, but in terms of understanding all the DNA in a human body, they didn't have a complete picture. It's like after mapping out our little solar system, we realized, hey, there's a whole Milky Way. And then after that, a billion more galaxies. Okay, so maybe the ratios aren't right in that example. But the point is, there's a lot to discover here. Cool and relevant discoveries. Like this one. They have found that the efficiency of your microbiome, so the bacteria in your gut, ha will determine whether you have a propensity to being obese or not. And one of the ways that they determine that is they have these germ-free mice, and they will take the gut bacteria out of a lean person, give it to a germ-free mouse, and they'll take the gut bacteria out of an obese person, give it to a a germ-free mouse. And these, these mice are genetically identical. And now they'll feed them the exact same thing. You know, they each get 10 mouse pellets a day. One of them will look like a regular mouse and the other one puffs up so it looks like a balloon. Wow. It's really, really remarkable. And the scientific community also thought this was remarkable. So in 2007, after this study was published, people flocked to companies sequencing human DNA with test tubes full of bacterial DNA and microbes they wanted to figure out what exactly was going on in that microbiome. Researchers also found out some really cool stuff using microbiome transplants. There are certain mental diseases like anxiety or depression that can be transferred from a human to a mouse. So you can take somebody with anxiety disorder, give it to this germ-free mouse, and suddenly the mouse will exhibit anxious behaviors. You know, it'll cower in the corner and not go and look around. Or if you have one from a depressed person and you put it in this germ-free mouse, it'll, you know, kind of say, oh, I give up. Mm -hmm. It'll have sort of the I give up stuff. Let the sequencing begin. All this research could begin because sequencing technology had become a lot cheaper and a lot faster. 
And that's where Tom and Mark come in. They were working at one of those companies, inventing machines that sequenced human cancer cell DNA. When I met up with Mark, who's the chief scientific officer of Shoreline Bio, we were in the lab with these DNA sequencers. Noisy machines buzzing all around us. He told me what happened when interest in the microbiome spread. And so we went on our merry way with this, where we had lots of customers who were doing this, this kind of work with our machines that was really not intended in the beginning. And then um, we wound up filling entire scientific journals with the results of this, uh, th this new work. And so uh, if you want to study something, you have to be able to see it first. And so that was really where we started with how do you actually see these tiny little microbes that are living all over people. So Tom and Mark decided to form Shoreline Bio, where they sequence bacterial DNA, and then they put that data into a computer system to help researchers connect the dots. But here's the catch. When it comes to these little bacteria crawling all over your skin, diversity is a great thing. But when it comes to sequencing DNA, diversity means a whole lot of work. It's not like these bacteria wear name tags and introduce themselves. For the allergy study and all those other studies to discover what they did, they needed to sequence all the DNA in all those bacteria. So what we're doing at the company is we're developing advanced tools that allow people to get a very comprehensive picture of all of the bacteria that are in a community and get a high resolution picture and then do it quickly and efficiently. Enter Shoreline Biome. So I went into the lab where they're getting that picture of bacteria. We crack open these various bacteria. And we get the That's DNA Mark out. Driscoll again. And then we take a look at the DNA using various machines that can read the A's, G's, the C's. Shoreline Biome's product is a kit. Researchers fill it up with the microbes they're curious about and then mail it back. Here in this lab, they pull out the DNA, sequence it, and then put all the data from the sequencing into a computer. So what bacteria are you working on? Well, interestingly, uh, we work mostly with poo, um, and uh, it's either mouse poo or human poo. And, and poo is perfect to create this data because it's 90 to 95 percent microbes. And once all that's done, they are left with a long string of letters. Ryan Beach, a research associate, showed me one of those sequences. Okay, so this is just the sequence itself, but... It looks like you image. gave a monkey your laptop. Exactly. And so it had as, four as, letters as to choose. mentioned exactly, your A's, C's, T's, and G's are what represent the DNA sequences themselves. He explained to me that they can put these letters into a computer program that allows them to compare microbe samples. From there, researchers can look at groups of people with the same autoimmune disease in a different way. So let's say somebody has colitis or Crohn's. They can compare their microbiomes and see what these two people have in common, and maybe these seven people. And with that knowledge, researchers are already discovering alternative treatments. And in fact, one of the best treatments that now people have found for Clostridium difficile, that C. diff disease, is to give people 
a microbiome transplant is to take the gut bacteria from a healthy person and transplant it into um, somebody who has this disease. There are such cool discoveries happening with the microbiome. And they aren't just happening inside the human body. Because this invisible world extends to everything. The whole world is covered with microbes. Let's think about like the outside environment. Um, there have been a number of scientists who have looked at, okay, well, what did the Gulf of Mexico look like before, during, and then many years after that big uh, oil spill, you know, the Deepwater Horizon thing? What, you know, how, how do the microbes respond to that kind of thing? Our little green planet is covered in microbes. And they can tell us so much about the environment and what we've done to it. While talking about the Gulf of Mexico oil spill, Tom mentioned some more hopeful ways microbiome research could help the environment. I think there's a lot of people dreaming about how, how this could help in terms of environmental remediation to begin with. Because if you found the right microbes that ate oil spills or you know could clean up plastics in an environment or something like that. And then if you could, if you could uh, encourage carbon sequestration bacteria or something like that, you know, wow, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, I think there's a lot of people dreaming a lot of big ideas about this type of stuff. I'm sure I can't even imagine all the stuff that people are dreaming up about it right now. We want to give people the tools that enable them to uh, make uh, dreaming easier, for sure. So it won't be Shoreline Biome who discovers a cure to heart disease or a way to heal a patch in the ozone layer. And there's no promise that either of those cures exist. But there's a new frontier in the microbiome that gives us reason to hope for a healthier, balanced, and bacteria-filled tomorrow. And maybe it'll be that those discoveries come from labs using Shoreline Biome's products. Labs hoping to get a better picture of tomorrow. The tomorrow living in us, and on us, and all around us. Special thanks go to Mustafa Analui, Paul Parker, Paige Rassid, and Jessica McBride. The voices you heard in this episode were Dr. Tom Jarvie, Dr. Mark Driscoll, Dr. George Weinstock, and Ryan Beach. To learn more about Shoreline Biome, please visit shorelinebiome.com or tip.ucon.edu for more on Shoreline Biome and other companies at the incubator. Inside Yukon Tip is a production of Pod Stories and was produced by me, Ali Oshinsky. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you could rate and review us on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you can get episode three. Until next time, I'm Ali Oshinsky, and this is Inside Yukon Tip, making the technology of tomorrow today. <laughs> <laughs>